Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name's Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, COO of Rare Kind. Okay, today we are talking about boundaries. Yes, we are building a wall. Multiple walls, maybe. Yeah. I think we've got a few analogies in here. Maybe not a brick wall, maybe like a breeze block wall where you can have some flexibility in your boundaries, but they're healthy. Like a screen door that people can like see through, but you've locked it and they can only come through when you want them to. That's right, because we want to have boundaries at work because that's what makes our career sustainable. But there'll be times where our boundaries might flex and change and we need to have scope for that as our values change and as our career unfolds. And so what we're going to talk about today is really defining what boundaries are for you and also then looking at the thing that we all struggle with, which is how do you actually set boundaries with your boss or with your workplace? Particularly when everybody has different boundary preferences. Like one thing that works for me or is a non-negotiable for me might be different for you, might be different to what the workplace that you are at seems to expect. It's a lot. All right, Em, let's talk boundaries. To open with, let's talk about what boundaries are. Mm. And I think I've actually learned a lot from you about boundaries. We have different kinds of, of boundaries that we value. But if we think about boundaries as a bit of a guideline that you operate from, how would you describe it though, Em? Oh, the, I, I should have given this more thought before we came into it as far as my definition. But for me, I almost want to define boundaries in like what they do for me. So for me, having boundaries that work for me mean that everybody gets the best version of me. I get the best version of me. I get to be the best version of me and also the people around me get to experience the best version of me. So, you know, it's probably more what purpose they serve, but that's how I think of what they are. That's so good. I love it. And I, I was thinking before this episode around boundaries that the pro, a property boundary. So every property has boundary lines and you might have a fence that really clearly stipulates where those boundary lines are. But if you don't have a fence, they're still there. It's just that they're not obvious. And so they still exist. Some council somewhere will have those boundary lines documented. But if you haven't made them clear and obvious with the fence, then other people won't know what they are. So I kind of think about boundaries in that way of we've got, we've all got them, but maybe we haven't actually articulated or clearly made it obvious to other people what those boundaries are for us. And I would say, and I I think we'll unpack this as we go, sometimes you do need to promote your boundaries and you do need to make sure that other people can see and feel them. And other times you don't need to. Other times they can just be your own boundaries that you set for yourself and they can stay hidden. For the most part though, if we're thinking about us in the workplace, we're going to today be talking about the ones that other people can see, do need to know about, and and that it is up to you to communicate. So 
let's get into the types of boundaries because there's really different kinds of boundaries we have. And we've kind of thought about this in four ways. The first boundary is a time boundary. The second boundary are physical boundaries. You know, the, <laughs> you know those people that really get up close in your personal oh, space? Yes. One of the things that I loved about um, COVID physical distancing was that I'm like, now there's a barrier between you and me and you can't come into my little 1.5 metre, 2 metre radius. But, you know, some people don't have, have those boundaries. So anyway, physical, that's an aside. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're looking at me you're like, you're like, she's, she's just, on a roll with something weird. <laughs> I was deciding whether I'd jump in or not, but I'm just going to leave it there. I think we've set it up, Shell. What's the next, what's number three? <laughs> number three is the emotional boundaries. And the, the fourth one is mental boundaries, or I would even describe this as like your energy boundaries. Ooh. See, I think that they all have something to do with energy, but... Okay, keep going on that. Okay. Uh, so for me, again, if I just use my personal experience, having boundaries in place have so much to do, as I said, with getting the best version of me, which is all about how much energy I have. And for example, I'd like to share with you guys a little bit later... Uh, my journey with emotional boundaries, I find that sharing emotion with people drains my energy if I haven't got, you know, if they don't fit a particular criteria around what my relationship is with them. However, for other people, I know that, and again, let's picture a workplace, they can sit in the lunchroom and they can share their emotional experiences, thoughts, feelings really comfortably, really openly with whoever is willing to listen and that either has a neutral impact or an energizing impact on them. You're so wise. You're like Yoda. <laughs> You're like my personal Yoda for my career. You know, I think going back to what you said up front, which was it's all about the purpose. And if I think about the purpose, what you've just described, boundaries help you to maintain and build energy. Yeah, absolutely. And when I don't have those boundaries in place, I guess for me, it's or if I compromise on them, the consequence that I attach to that is that I know it's going to drain my energy and then, you know, how does that make me show up and so on and so forth. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's really interesting, this whole idea, because we need them and we know we need them, but it's very hard to exercise and practice your boundaries, especially at work, because it's this kind of power dynamic that's in place with your with your manager or your employer and we find it hard to go oh actually if they want you to jump on a certain activity or job or do a new project and you're like oh I really want to be able to help but I know that's going to deplete me or I know that's not going to work in with my family commitments or whatever then we're like well but how do we say no like how do we actually say no and what we want to help you with today is finding ways to communicate your boundaries in a really healthy way so that you can build a long-term, sustainable and enjoyable career. Absolutely. And both of us, uh, I don't think you'll mind me saying, Shell, have come to understand our own boundaries and tweak our boundaries along the way through, uh, I guess, what have been some hard times in the sense that we have, you know, experienced the consequence of having our boundaries in a place that isn't the best for us. And we've had to go, all right, what, you know, how has that played out? What can we do differently? Mm, and yeah, you turn the dial up and you turn the dial down on certain things based on where you're at. So the first thing, we're going to give you five 
steps to building healthy boundaries because you know we love numbers right we love giving you like making it sound like a one two three four five and you're done and you're done forever so (laughs) the first thing that we want to do is figure out your boundaries achilles heel so I like to think that everyone has a weak point in their boundaries. It's like, you know, I was talking about the fence before. I've got this fence down the side of my house. We're at my house at the moment recording. And there's a really strong colour bond fence on one side. And on the other side, there's this crappy fence that's rotting. And I swear it could have termites in it. It's really like terrible. It needs to be fully redone. You have this in your life. You have an area where you're strong on your boundaries and you have an area that might be rotting away that's weak. It's like your Achilles heel. So we want you to figure out your boundaries Achilles heel and then bolster that up. And I want to ask you and M. What is your boundaries Achilles heel? So this is an interesting one for me to answer in the sense that I guess I'm I'm coming from a place when I do answer of like, what is my natural Achilles heel? But man, I have been working hard for years to strengthen it. So it doesn't necessarily feel right now like an Achilles heel, but I recognize it's because I, I do work hard at that and I really have tried to improve it and it would have to be time. So of those four boundaries that we described, time, physical, emotional, and mental, the one that I've really had to learn the hard way is my Achilles heel is time. And what that has looked like for me in the past is this sense of time just being infinite. I would just continue to go and go and go. And from a work point of view, that meant that I just kept accepting more work, accepting more responsibility, adding to my plate as if it was never going to fill up. Now, that's completely false because what was happening is I was stealing time from other parts of my life. I was stealing from sleep time. I was stealing from personal time with friends and family. And I was using that to give myself this false sense of work time being infinite. Mm -hmm. I think that's something we all fall prey to because especially when we're in the early stage of our career, we have all this energy and we've got all this time to spend, but you're right, it's not infinite. And so we need to treat it as this precious resource, just like we treat our money. You know, money is not infinite. Well, you know, unless you're like... Not us. Not us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Treating your time as this precious resource that you can allocate wisely what you say yes to is is just such an important thing and it's such a crucial skill to learn because not everything that you say yes to is going to drive value in your career. And when I was in this phase, so I will say it was probably most of my 20s, but there was particularly a four or five year stint. I had boundaries. They were just really, really, really wide. So my time boundaries did not kick in for a really long time. And often, I don't think we ever found the end of them. Like it took me burning out to actually find, okay, I still can't find my boundaries. So my body's just going to burn out instead. And what I've done since then is go, right, where would I, where would I like my boundaries to be? And how am I going to put those boundaries in place to overcome this Achilles heel? But the motivator for that, to your point, Shell, is I really reflected on what's the consequence? You know, what's my motivator? What's my consequence? Where of this time that is finite would I like to be investing it? And for some people, the time that you're willing to invest in work and the boundary you put in place might look like 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week, or for others, it might still look like 100 hours a week. It's, it's your boundary is yours personally, but for me, I think I was lacking the 
awareness, lacking like that conscious decision at the time. And I think it's all about creating margin in your life as well. So one of the things I know um, you and I have spoken about a lot of just in our conversations has been this idea of how do you create margin so that you can have this like 10% space within your week where you can just do what you love, even if that's in your work hours. So how do you find that? Because if your time is fully maxed all the time in your work week, well, you don't have any margin for disruptions. You don't have any margin for fun and play and all the things that and are the actually- unexpected, like yeah. cool, unexpected opportunities that come up if you're completely maxed out all of the time in advance, you could be missing out. That's right. There's a cost to it. For me, I've had to learn, um, I guess, around those emotional boundaries. So in a job that I think can be quite emotionally draining, how do I build really healthy emotional boundaries with people? And that's meant that I have been really selective about um, things that I do on the weekend, the people that I hang out with. If anyone knows me, I'm very... um, I can be really rigid on I'm not going to see this person, this person, unless I'm in a really high energy zone. And that might sound a bit rude, um, but that's just a way that I've had to manage that tax that comes with emotionally draining interactions with people. It can also uh, look like, I know at times for me, I say, I don't do anything on Friday nights. So friends will want to catch up and like, I really want to catch up with that friend on the weekend. But even though there's nothing in my calendar on Friday night, I still mark myself as unavailable that night. And that's a boundary. All right. So number one, figure out your Achilles heel. What's next, Em? Okay. So next up is number two, which is remember it's a long game. So we've just touched on this idea of particularly early in your career, it being easy to fall into the trap of your Achilles heel. And Look, it's probably simply because we're still learning about ourselves and we're in this new situation where we've moved out of schooling, we kind of got used to that, we knew how that worked and now we're in that first part of our career, five to ten years and we've got new experiences and we plot along for a while thinking this is all working pretty well and and sometimes it takes hitting a point before you work out that actually, whoa, I need to put a boundary in there because if I don't and if this was to continue or if this was to repeat – then it's not going to be pretty. So we want things to be sustainable. I actually had uh, a boss that I worked for for a long time and certainly would consider them to still be a mentor talking to me often about, and I see now trying to get a message through, uh, that probably took longer than it should have to hit home. But it was this (laughs) idea that your career is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you try and do the 40 years of your career at sprint pace, well, you may not make it to your 30s. Mm. Well, that's right. And it took some pretty painful lessons for you, as you've described through that burnout experience to really realise, well, it is a long game. And if you're not going to come to terms with that, your body's going to wave the red flag for you. Yeah, absolutely. And we can still sprint at times, but let's do it in a way where we sprint for a period and then we back off. And and it's more of that interval training. And even that in itself you know, I I just see here, it's like boundary, 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 because if you were to use that example, whether your Achilles heel is physical or mental, or maybe it's that time-based, there is a way that you can see, well, actually, I need to lean into this and I need to stretch that margin for this finite period. And then I'm going to move back into what my healthy boundaries are, because I know I can get away with it for the short term, but not over the long term. And it might not even be moving back to what it was before, but actually you're taking a rest. Mm. Like that's the thing with interval training, it's that rest period. And so you might 
retreat that bit further to recover from those sprints. So keep that in mind as you're thinking about this idea of a long game. The next one is, this is so relevant to my life. Um, (laughs) Before you agree to something, ask more questions. Oh my gosh, like this is my life every single week. I'm like, why did I say yes to that? Mm. Why did I say yes to that? Which is interesting because you're asking the question in, pres- uh, in past tense yeah. instead of future tense. We, yeah. we need to make that shift. Oh, thank you. No worries. Again, Yoda, <laughs> look at you go. So I have had boundary problems in my career for a long, <laughs> for a long time, but it, I re- was remembering this story, uh, this example, when I first started in working in HR. It was my first real job. Um, and the organisation that I was working for, the person, one of my colleagues, she was overseeing recruitment, she resigned. And instead of replacing her role, the business decided to absorb that function and ask me to kind of do that job in addition to my full-time job. And this happens, this is not an uncommon thing. It happens quite regularly. You know, it could be a financial reason that it's happening. It could just be, you know, we've decided to restructure and we think that can fit into your role. And for me, I looked at that and was like, this is awesome. And it was because it was a step up from what I was doing. It meant that I got into the recruitment space over um, doing more kind of administrative HR stuff. And so it was a step up. But what that meant was that I was doing essentially two full-time jobs and my initial response when they approached me about it was like, yes, absolutely, 100% in. And it was a good thing in the sense of it propelled my career, but it really meant that I was um, stretched too thin. So I wasn't necessarily doing the fullness of either role. And so in that sense, it was it was unhelpful. What I would have done differently in hindsight is asked questions to really understand what I was signing up for and also flag to the business that this was going to come at it, like to be a bit of a challenge. So raising it early and asking some good questions. And so the things that I would have asked, and if this ever happens to you, which is, again, it's a common thing, ask these kinds of questions. So things like, I'd love to be able to do that. How will we manage the increased workload? Because I'll be essentially taking on an additional role. What support will be in place for me to do that? Will there be additional resource into backfill my current role? What will the new pay rate be? Because that was another thing, my pay rate didn't go up. So there were some of these things that were probably red flags in hindsight that I should have had conversations about and I didn't have them up front. Eventually I did have them, but it wasn't until around three to six months down the track. I still would have said yes to doing that because it was an awesome opportunity, but having the questions up front would have made my life a lot easier and it would have set the expectation up with my employer that that was going to be something we'd need to continue to have dialogue around. And even managing the expectations, again, if we think specifically in a workplace, but it could apply elsewhere, we need in these instances to manage expectations. So, for example, there may have been things in the existing role that you held, Shell, or even in this recruitment role that you were taking on, that you might agree up front are not going to be done anymore. Mm. They Maybe they'd be done by somebody else, but maybe they just won't be done anymore or maybe they will be delayed. So if they're more of a project-based task, it might be that can be done, but not on the same schedule that we originally planned. We would need to push it out until these three projects are finished first. And I think that's such a good way to do it because it sets you up to succeed in the new opportunity And also to make sure that you're just having the conversations that really matter because what 
for example, like if you're, if you're asked, if your boss asks you to take on a new role, but there's no pay change. And that's again, another common thing. They are, they put in some extra work into yours. Ask a question, say, oh, I'd love to do that. That's something that really excites me. Would you consider a pay rate review as part of me taking that on? And if they say, well, no, we don't actually have budget for that. Oh, okay, no worries. Do you think it would be possible if in six months time, we could have a conversation about that? And then again, you're forecasting, you're, you're still saying yes to something that you want to be doing, but you're also setting yourself up to succeed and have that conversation in the future. And maybe even you, from an expectation point of view and a conversation point of view, get more clarity so that you can better assess, well, what boundaries do I have in place at the moment that I may need to decide to change? And am I okay with that? So for example, the workload increases the responsibility increases. And typically we do see with responsibility increase that there is an expectation or a need to work more hours. So if we stick with this idea of like a time Achilles heel or a time boundary, you may have previously had a boundary in place that meant that you left at 5.30 on the dot every day and that was really important to you and you weren't willing to compromise that. With this new role and this additional responsibility, it may be that that boundary is not necessarily going to be workable or it may need to change. And then you've got to work out, okay, well, what it needs to change to, am I okay with that? Mm, and having that up front, like, so that you're not sitting, you're not like me going, why did I say yes to this thing? Yeah, and you don't <laughs> want to become resentful yes. or feel trapped. Something I've experienced in the past because of my Achilles heel is that I've gotten myself into this situation of like this mountain ahead of me don't, I'm trying to climb it. I just keep trying to climb it, but it just keeps getting bigger and bigger no matter how much I climb because that workload never reduces. You never get to the end of the to-do list and you just keep spending more and more time. And when you get into that situation, I'm sure I'm not the only one, you actually can't see the forest through the trees and you can't find your way out. And you can feel like I've made all these commitments. I've set the expectation that I can keep working and produce a certain amount. I'm not coming to the end of it. And actually I'm just feel like I'm getting further away from the end of it where the heck do I go from here and how do I get out of this? And it's really, really difficult to reset expectations around your boundaries. Possible, totally possible. I have done it, but it's so difficult. And when you're, if I can, sorry, Shell, I'm just, I'm on a roll now. When your energy is low. So when you have pushed yourself so far that you're like, oh, I'm in a zone that I'm not comfortable with and I haven't got the energy that makes it even more difficult. So totally possible and, and we want to, you know, give you that sense by the end of this of how, but it's a tricky place to be in. In a moment, we're going to dig into resetting the expectations because, oh, you're so, so right. It is such a difficult thing to, when you've like, you describe where you've just given, 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 time, 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 and all of a sudden you're like, well, that's not work. That is not working for me. That's not serving me. Then you have to recalibrate and reset with the organisation. And that can be a really painful kind of thing to navigate. We're going to get to that in a sec about how you do that. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Number four, the fourth thing is... To realize, and this comes up so much, it's boundaries is not about saying no, it's about what you're saying yes to. I'm going to say that again. Boundaries is not, what, is not about saying no, it's about what you're saying yes to. Because especially if you have a tendency to people please, you find yourself in that pickle of, I've just said yes to all these things and I really didn't weigh up if I could actually do them. And it's partly because we don't want to say no. But one of the things that happens is, is we need to reframe our thinking around that and go, I've, I've started to realise I'm saying no to working on Saturday because I'm saying yes to that being my family time. So it's like, well, what am I saying yes to? I'm not going to focus on what I'm saying no to. I'm focusing more on what's my big yes. It's the same as if you have booked in annual leave and your work come back and say, oh, would it be possible for you to reschedule that because we've got this big project coming up and you're thinking, okay, um, I, I really, if I say yes to them, I'm saying no to my annual leave. And so you really need to think about what are the things that you really want to be saying yes to? What are the non-negotiables in your life? And then that becomes your focus, not the, no, Em, I can't make that Friday night dinner that you never schedule because you don't like Friday night dinners. <laughs> By the way, I'd love to have a Friday night dinner with you because I love a Friday night drink. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't do Friday nights. <laughs> so reframe, it's not about no, it's what you're saying yes to. Okay, here we are. We're, we're really starting to get into, I guess, the meat of this uh, this conversation and that is about having the conversation. So, you know, we love to talk and this is about, okay, we're realising that we actually, uh, you know, either don't have boundaries in place that we would like to have in place or maybe we're starting a new workplace and we need to, I guess, set ourselves up fresh and kind of manage expectations in new relationships. And so what we want to encourage you to do is to actually have the conversation about setting boundaries. Now, word of warning, not all managers are going to be supportive, not all teammates are going to be supportive of your boundaries and often that can come from a place of, I guess what they see as being a reasonable boundary or what works for them. You know, we do have that natural tendency to to be biased towards our own personal preferences. But if I can harp on about energy again and, you know, you're building that career that you love but you're also building a fuller life that you love, that this is the moment you need to remember that you're doing this for you and not for anybody else. And remember that your manager is not building your career, you are. 
Like you're responsible for your career, not them. And so if they're pushing back on you on a boundary, I would just keep that, like it can be really hard. This can be such a hard conversation, but keep remembering that their priorities are going to be different to yours. And so just make sure that you really know the priorities for you and your values and be bold in it. Yeah. And look, to play devil's advocate, make sure that you've you have asked questions up front. So if you're going for a new role, if I can set that scene, you're going for a new role and you know what your boundaries are and what has worked for you, you need to map those against the requirements of the role because there are roles, for example, that will require you to be on call after hours. And that unfortunately is a part, well, fortunately or unfortunately, that's part of the role. If your boundary that you've had in place or that you feel passionate about keeping in place is that you don't do anything after hours, there might not be a match there. Mm. But we need to know that early on. It's great. That's such a good point. Okay, so here's a good one that everyone will be able to relate to. And it's that, I guess it's a physical boundary of say your work is now asking everyone to return to the office for, you know, 60% of their work week. How do we reset and what would, how would you approach that resetting conversation? So let's say for me, I don't want to return because <laughs> I, you know me, I love working from home and I don't want to go into the office because why should I have to? And honestly, that's what I believe. <laughs> well, particularly if you've, your performance is the same, if not better. Oh yeah, heaps better. And mm-hmm. I'm happier because I'm, you know. Yeah. So, so better to be I would around. be, better to be around. I would be really, um, I would struggle if, if my employer said to me, you have to come back you know, 60% of your work week because I'd be like, well, I can't. Like, I I don't think I could do that anymore. And what's tricky as well to add a couple of dynamics is you've probably redesigned your life in the last couple of years to suit the fact that you don't have a commute, you don't have to do your hair and makeup and get ready in the mornings, iron your clothes, pack your lunch. Like, you've got all this time back and you've probably filled that time with new routine or with other, um, I guess, things that you enjoy doing. And then so that's one little complexity the other complexity that makes this conversation or this reset tricky is your manager's probably looking going well you used to work here five days a week what's the what's all the fuss about yeah that's right so it's that physical boundary that I've now set that I'm like no I'm committed to this like I'm committed to working from home majority of my week so how do we then talk about and have that conversation to reset the boundaries if my manager is trying to force me back in Oh, you're asking me? I yeah. thought you were going to ask and answer your own question. No, no, I'm asking you because, <laughs> I mean, I want to know. <laughs> so, oh, it's a tricky one for me to answer in the sense that I feel as passionately and, and, and as clearly as you do, Shell, in that I go, you know, to my team and I, I hope that I role model, you work wherever and however works best for you and like let's be focused on outcomes right but I know that that's it's not that simple or straightforward across every workplace so I like this formula that you've shared in the past where you sit down with your manager and you're actually focusing on impact so you're able to describe or or show an understanding of the request so that request or that expectation that they've set which says hey we now expect every employee to be in the workplace at least 60% of the time and you're thinking that 40% would suit you better. So two out of five instead of three out of five days. And I feel like at this point, it's sitting down, it's, it's, it's acknowledging that you understand that that expectation has been set and it's then sharing your perspective based on impact. So for example, being able to map out that you will actually be a more productive employee if you're able to have the three days at home. 
and why that is and what that looks like. And then also being reasonable with what that boundary looks like. So whilst we absolutely want to empower everybody to put their boundaries where they need to, we also need to remember that if we're choosing a job that we really love, that we need to make sure that our boundaries do work in harmony with that and the people around us. Now, if you're uh, a sole trader, you work on your own, you're consulting and you're sort of running your own business, then you've probably got more freedom than this. But when we work in a team, we still have to have a team mentality. Yeah, that's great. And you're right. And that's where I think even saying your boundaries might be those breeze blocks, the sliding door that opens, you know, it doesn't have to be this fixed thing all the time, but it's about having the discussion to really show what's the impact. What is the, how can I achieve what you want and also meet the needs that maybe I have? And, you know, there is give and take and there'll always be times where things um, you need to kind of have the interest of of the employer, but also just be brave enough to raise it. And that's what I think is part of this conversation is that we just never talk about it. And so by having a conversation, you can open up that dialogue and it makes such a big difference. The other thing that I've thought, so it's such a good example of the physical boundaries. The other thing I've been thinking about is um, those times where you have, I don't know if this is an emotional boundary, but it's kind of the type of person that's their chaos becomes your chaos. Mm. You know, those whirlwind people, and I'm sure I have been this many a time, like you'll look at, I feel like, you'll be like, you're (laughs) this. No, but you know, that it's like when you're sitting down and, and someone comes up to your desk and like, oh my gosh, this thing's just happened. I really need you to drop everything and help me with this. And my instinct to that person is, oh, I really want to help you. But then my other thing is like, I've, I'm like got so much on my plate. Like how could I possibly fit that in today? And that's a moment of a boundary. So something I would say, these are common things that happen is to say back to that person, I would love to help you with that. But for me to start doing that, I'd have to stop doing this. And really then weigh up with them what the priority is. So you want to assess if that's your peer and and you want to assess with them. I'm thinking that based on what I've talked with my manager about, this is my priority right now. So I don't think I can get to that, but maybe by Friday, I can have a look at it for you. And you're giving them another option or a way to opt out so that you're not being hijacked by their chaotic world into the mess that is something that you then have to get sucked into and solve. You can do that same approach with your manager. So if your manager comes up to you and asks you to drop everything and do something, bring that same concept to them. So go, no worries, I'm working on this. What would you prefer I focus on right now? And you're showing them that you can't do both. Or you're giving them an indication of that activity you're asking me to work on isn't a half an hour job. It's actually a four hour job. So what does that look like in terms of my other work? And just asking again, asking those questions. If we take, uh, I guess, this idea of mental boundaries as another example to play out, something I heard, I was listening to a podcast and the guest was Mia Friedman, who some of you guys might be familiar with. And she is, you know, a business owner. She runs um, a really busy and quite large company, but she's also just one of these people that has a bunch of different projects on the go. She's authored books and she'll speak at events and so on and so forth. And she's a mum as well. And something I really liked that I guess I'll use her example, which is a family-based example, but I don't think that it necessarily needs to only apply to you if you're a parent, is 
in language. So when we're setting boundaries, she explained that she'll quite frequently get invitations to lunch. So it might be a lunch event, like a networking event or to speak at a luncheon, or um, it might be a more intimate, uh, I guess, business lunch. And rather than saying, and look, these are my words, not hers, but the, the essence of the point is here. Rather than saying, sorry, I can't do lunch on Friday, but thank you for the invite. She'll actually do two things slightly differently. She will say, I don't do lunch rather than I can't do lunch. So lesson in that is she is not offering an opportunity for somebody to say, well, if you can't do Friday, why don't we do Monday? She's instead saying that. that I just, I don't do them full stop. And the second thing she'll do that's a little bit different and that I really liked is she'll be quite specific about why that is. So for example, she will say, um, sorry, like, thanks for the invite. Sorry, I actually don't do lunch. It's a commitment I've made to myself because it means that I can get home an hour earlier in my day and I can actually spend that time with my kids, make sure I can take them to um, training, soccer training after school. And that's something that's really important to me. Oh, and so awesome. who is going to be the person that turns around and says, oh, well, I actually think you should come to this lunch because... I'm more important than you taking your kids to soccer training. Like no one's, no one's going to do that, I don't feel. But more to the point, it's a really polite – and look, I haven't, I've scripted it off the cuff there, but it's a polite way of saying, I, here are my priorities and I'm, I'm asking that you respect those, please. Mm. And I really like that because it allows other people to really understand – and you're sharing a little bit of your personal self – but allows people to understand – oh, that's a boundary Mia has in place. And do you know what? They probably won't ask her to do lunch again because she's explained that that's not something that she does. Yeah, and it just really helps. It, it makes it not a negotiation or a yes. back and forth. It's just like, and it, it makes it that it's not a personal thing on that person either. No, that's actually, that's a really good point to tease out. Yeah, yeah because it's not about them. It's no, oh, this is something that I do. Like we've talked about, you know, we always laugh about your gym schedule because yeah. you're very diligent at going to the gym. And that's something you're known for. Yes, I have become known for that. Absolutely. And it, it's been years now, but it's something that because it, I verbalize it and because I don't compromise on it and because I practice what I preach, it, it's just what I'm known for. And that does make that boundary setting more, it, it makes it easier, but they're, they're, that did have to start somewhere. And that does take time to build up that reputation and to talk about margin and compromise for a second, every now and then, it's not often, but every now and then I do choose to change my gym schedule from say the morning to the afternoon or the afternoon to the morning to accommodate something else. And I'm okay with that, but I do that rarely and for the right reasons. It's so good. It's such a good and important thing in your career to develop these boundaries. And so we I know I want you to take this and go and put it into practice now. Do the things that we've said, figure out what your kind of boundaries Achilles heel is, start having conversations about that one in particular with your manager to reset the expectations and let us know how you go. We love hearing from you. So find us on LinkedIn. That's where we hang out. And as always, if you enjoy the show, follow, rate and review. We love getting your feedback. Thanks heaps. Yeah. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon.
We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.